0: He's Jimmer. Oh, we're starting. He's Christian. This is two PTs and a bag of chips. Wow. Well, a bag of cheese bites. Cheese
1: bites today. Yes, we're going to discuss the Trader Giorgio's oven-baked cheese bites, compliments of Kathleen Parker. Thank you. And we're going to be going over, what is
0: core? Functional core training. Abdominal wall. Core is the inside of an apple. Nice. You have, I like uh, that. You decor an apple. You do.
1: Are there any other uh, fruits you decor? You depit a lot of things.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's anything else that you decor. I think the I think the pineapple also. No, you just slice it. No, you can slice it. You can eat the inside of a pineapple. Isn't there like a chunk in the middle that people
1: always avoid? No. Because no. why are there always holes in the pineapple round?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. Okay, I don't know either. Huh? Well, if you know the answer to that. Um, send us an email. We'd love to know. Yeah. We're on Twitter. We're on... We're not on Facebook.
1: We're on, but we're not accessible. Yet. We're working on it. Anyway, the core. Abdominal wall. So, I mean, the easy way to think of it is just about anything, any muscle that will connect to your pelvis is kind of the, the easiest way to think about it. So people always talk about their abs, right? Their abs is their core. I've got a weak core. But really what they're talking about is there's multiple layers of, of the abdomen. So the deepest layer is the transversus abdominis. That gets a lot of physical therapy talk and hype going. Yes. Yeah. you also got rectus abdominis, which is more the uh, the eight-pack, six-pack muscle.
0: Three-and-a-half-pack, whatever you're going However for.
1: However many keg in most of us. You've got obliques, which most people are familiar with. Internal and external obliques. Absolutely. Uh, but it's not...
0: You shouldn't forget about the glutes. I think the big thing about that you have to remember about the core is that it's anything that helps to stabilize your spine and your pelvic girdle. So any muscle that attaches in that area can allow for stability. Um, I like to point out the lat myself. The lat's a good one. Latissimus, yep. especially since it has such a strong connection to the thoracolumbar fascia, which in itself is a a stabilizer of the core.
1: Yeah, we see a lot of kind of shortness in that muscle which results in a lot of lumbar extension which can result in a lot of low back discomfort in individuals. Yeah. Particularly and, in our overhead athletes as they're, it, as they're growing and changing
0: and doing uh, your fair share of sit-ups and deep transverse abdominal muscle exercises. Not necessarily going to fix that problem.
1: No, you've you've got to you've got to have length in those muscles, and a lot of times it's it's like tonicity and not length. They're kind of spasming to to help something else. So sometimes shoulder instability affects low back pain.
0: Yes, which is kind of a fun one hamstring, to look at. Hamstring tightness is a big one, and that, that's that's. I'm just going to jump immediately into one of my pet peeves. Yeah, hamstring shortening. We need to lengthen the hamstrings in order to improve mobility in the core. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm calling bullshit on most cases.
1: Yeah, most of the time the hamstring is in is in a spasm case because it's trying to stabilize and it's doing two jobs instead of its its main job which
0: is of course bending the knee. It's working overtime like crazy. Yeah. So now we're going to tug on that muscle and now it wants to work even harder to protect so the more you stretch the tighter it becomes.
1: Yeah, you've get you get this I mean what do you want to call it? Co-contraction following
0: or I like talking to people who contraction. have contraction yeah. People have been stretching their hamstrings for decades. I've been told still, I always still, have really tight hamstrings. Still not getting any longer. Yeah. That, that must be working really well then for you.
1: Yeah, and that's, I mean, it, we talk about it all the time, but but working glute, glute, glute max and glute med and, and you know, the, the external rotator group in the hips really does a lot in terms of preventing kind of hamstring-tight feeling. I mean, you can see that tightness in, in any muscles, people that have, you know what you'd almost call like hypermobility. Talk about how their hamstrings are tight. Well, if you can if you can do a straight leg raise, you, you don't have a tight muscle. You have a spasming muscle, and that doesn't feel very good. Nope. And so that that's a that's a very common one, absolutely. Stability wise and control wise, what we tend to see is if your your core isn't working well, you'll uh, have a lot of kind of lumbar extension instead. So. My pet peeve is people who do planks, and people who tell them to to drop your buttocks, and now your back is just just extended like crazy. There's a big curvature in there instead of a, a nice flat, sort of
0: strong, stable position. Your belly button is touching the ground in a plank. That's not a good plank.
1: That's not a good plank. No. So what, what they don't want to see is is your buttocks sticking straight up in the air, but. I would rather you do that than, than have your back arched like crazy. That's just you're not working the right muscle at that point. You're telling your lumbar kind of paraspinals, which are the big muscles to the left and right of your spine, to do all the work and all the stabilizing. And for some people that works for so long and then eventually it, it gives out and that's when they have either like a tear back there or they get some kind of just chronic low back pain sort of sensation. And uh, that's, some, that's an area we work on with a lot of people. Just in general.
0: Paraspinal activity or paraspinal hyperactivity is probably one of the most common symptoms. It's not necessarily always the cause of low back pain, but it's definitely one of the symptoms that we see. Everything tries to tighten up and protect your lower back. And that's one of the muscles that is extremely successful in tightening up. It does what it's supposed to do. And, And again, stretching it is not necessarily the answer. You have to kind of allow it to work less hard, which will usually allow it to relax a little bit. So instead of stretching it, trying to engage other muscles and trying to improve mechanical awareness and postural awareness, very successful in getting those tight muscles to relax a little bit more so you have more dynamic stability instead of having all this spasming.
1: Yeah, I think from a function standpoint, when we talk about the abs specifically, so that's the you know transverse abdominis all the way through those guys we just mentioned there, their main function is is to stabilize. It's not to contract as much. And so when somebody does a plank, that is a more functional exercise because you're training the muscle the way it's intended to be used versus doing a, a sit up or a crunch, or or anything kind of in that department. Yes, those muscles will activate, but that's not the way they work when we're doing activities most of the time.
0: It'd be an interesting study to see how much movement a rectus abdominis contraction could create. Is it really going all the way up, like in a sit in a full sit-up? Would that what would that be the maximum contraction, or is most of that iliopsoas?
1: Yeah, I mean I think you definitely have way more hip flexion when you're doing a sit-up than you have true abdominal or or, or spinal flexion going on as a result of the abdomen or muscles doing something.
0: It's the age-old discussion. Should I do sit-ups? Should I not do sit-ups? Should I do mini sit-ups? Should I do crunches and pull on my head? There's lots of ways to do a sit-up wrong. There are some ways to do a sit-up correctly, but like Christian just pointed out, it's more about doing a functional exercise. And very few of us do um, sit-ups on a daily basis other than maybe getting out of bed and when we're getting out of bed, we probably shouldn't do a sit-up. We should roll on our side. And, and, and
1: if you have any kind of low back pain, I mean, that's the first thing we teach you is to roll to your side and kind of swing your legs down and, and not do a full-blown sit-up. I mean, there's definitely plenty of individuals that come in with low back pain and, and neck pain as a result of poor sit-up stuff. Or My back hurts, so I started doing a lot of sit-ups, and now it really hurts. Is frighteningly common as well. Yep. And so the the abdominal wall from a pure kind of science standpoint is is the first thing that activates even if you move your arm or if you kick your leg. And what it does is it is it contracts to stabilize your spine. And so your spine should and, and does tolerate compression really well. It doesn't do very well with, with shear forces. And as soon as you start over flexing or overextending your spine, that's when it gets aggravated and irritated. And that's when you have the potential for injury in that area or, or just aggravation in that area. And so we like to make sure everyone knows how it works and can then activate it in a way that is going to encourage that compression as opposed to shearing.
0: And probably the most common way to do the sit-up wrong or do the activation of your abdominal wall wrong is creating a falzalpha maneuver. So Ooh, this is a good one. When you're bearing down, like when you have a bowel movement or if you're sneezing and you're trying to brace yourself that tension or pressure that builds up in your stomach has nothing to do with core activity or stabilizing the spine. If you bear down, that's your diaphragm tightening up. And your diaphragm tightening up, increasing abdominal pressure, can actually create significantly more problems than that it, um, that it solves by, by trying to increase your abdominal wall stiffness or stability in the spine. There's a lot of blood pressure issues
1: related to that as well. be I mean, as as a worst case sort of scenario, yeah, they they certainly use it in um, like Olympic lifting and powerlifting sort of things as a, as a way to to gain just a little bit of extra something in there. Uh, you will see some viral videos out there of guys Valsalva maneuvering and then promptly vomiting all over the place. And so there there are inherent risks to that, and and for certain. Activities. I won't say it's a good thing, but it it does somehow benefit in those areas. But for the most of us, that's really not something we should strive to be doing or doing on a very regular basis.
0: Yeah, fighter pilots are another group of people that know how to do it very well, but it prevents it from passing out. So that's a be, beats the alternative I guess. Yeah,
1: that's like a life or death sort of one a yes. little bit. So, in but, those cases it's it's very different.
0: But generally speaking, you should be able to whistle or breathe while you're doing your abdominal exercises. That's kind of one way to make sure that you're not engaging your diaphragm and holding your breath and have puffs of smoke coming out of your ears.
1: And a, and a lot of people have done it for a very long time and are very good at it and it and it takes a lot
0: of repetition to get out of that habit, and that's, that's difficult. Teaching somebody to do a proper pelvic tilt or deep transverse abdominal contraction is hard. It is so hard. It is one of the hardest muscles to learn how to activate. So, yeah, yeah, it's challenging, especially, like Christian said, if you have done sit-ups and, and core exercises while holding your breath successfully for years, trying to unlearn that is, is quite challenging. But it, very
1: important, it, yeah, and it's I mean, it's very, very common, and we spend a lot of time telling people to breathe and making sure that their faces aren't red and that sort of stuff while they're here. And so engaging somebody in conversation while they're they're doing an abdominal exercise is a great way to make sure that they're breathing or yeah. to to at least check or to at least have them realize that they're they're holding their breath because they can't talk,
0: or we make you whistle
1: or we, yeah. Or like Kathy used to do blow
0: up balloons is fun too. I like I like that yes, Cassie, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, <laughs> yep, that's going
1: out. That's that's a good one. Uh, the other thing we always get talked about is is I have a weak back, which is a, uh, I think sort of a, a poor representation of what's going on. I mean you, it's really I mean it's incredibly rare. I can't think of a case I've seen really first-hand at all of somebody who has like weak back muscles.
0: I think it's it it goes in conjunction with, you know, throwing your back out or my back gave out or all of those activities that that gives you an indication that your back might be weak. Um, Structurally, very few backs are weak. Yeah. Backs are very well designed. The spine is an amazing, amazing um, anatomical thing. Structure? Oh, structure is a good one. Yeah, let's keep that. Yes, the spine is an amazing anatomical structure. So, it it, it doesn't just give out unless there's some serious structural issues. So, having a weak back is um, yeah is not not a not a good statement of what's going on. What we usually see is
1: the muscles are are overworked or overused, and that results in in more easy you know, ag- aggravation or strain or, or whatever we want to call it, any kind of damage we're talking about there. And for most people, we just need to work on balance between the, the activation of the back muscles and activation of the abdominal muscles. And unfortunately, most of us are weak in the abdominal area, and so we spend a lot more time addressing that. Uh, but that's, that's kind of the back and, and core and abdominal stuff in a nutshell there. The other muscle we didn't talk about today was the quadratus lumborum, which is uh, a fun little stabilizer between the pelvis and the lumbar spine that uh, is, is pretty aggravated often, and, and it's a good spot. It kind of is just off to the side, kind of right above your hip a little bit, and we see that fairly regularly as well. One side or both, typically one-sided.
0: Again, some something that usually is activated because it's spasming or trying to stabilize, doing a lot more work than it was designed to carry. Yeah, but I think that's... That sums
1: up function and abdominal core and core training pretty nicely.
0: I think you did an amazing job today, Christian.
1: Yeah. Do more planks.
0: I'm not planking.
1: Well, everybody,
0: do more planks. I'm boarding. You're going to board? I'm more of a boarder. Snowboarder? No plank boarder. More of a hoard- hoarder? Hoarder. I'm not a hoarder.
1: Trivia. So last week's question, what two U.S. states have their own time
0: zones? That one was pretty easy, I thought.
1: Yeah, it was pretty straightforward. We actually had a lot of people that that got confused with Arizona because Arizona doesn't do daylight savings, and so
0: they're still in the same time zone. They just don't. Yeah, they're not. Jump but it's not, forward you know, or
1: fall back. Alaska and Hawaii, obviously, duh, have their own time zones. So that's kind of a fun one.
0: We got a lot of correct answers on that one. We did.
1: Again, good job, uh, guys. Big shout out to Mike Pascal there again. He's, well, he's well crushing it. Is he? He's crushing it. He's. Are you discussing these with him? Uh, it would it would look that way. Yeah. It would look that There's way. There's some cheating
0: going on here. Yeah.
1: Preston got offended because I referred to Arizona's time zone as weird. Preston should be offended. But it is weird. But it is weird. Anyway, so this week's question we're going to do more. Uh, we're going to do a space question this week. So, which NASA space flight was the last manned mission to the
0: moon? Wow. Yeah. That's deep. For all you people that um, that were not born in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, um, yeah, we used to put men on the moon. Not fake. not, not True stuff. Real guys. That, that didn't happen in Arizona. That was actually on the moon. The real moon. The, the actual mo- the, moon.
1: The moon. The real moon. All Good right. One. So, chip time. We've got the Trader Giorgio's oven-baked cheese bite. I believe Trader Giorgio's is a uh, Trader Joe's... Spoof? Yeah. Well, not spoof. I think it's the Trader Joe's company, but they just put an extra name on there. They smell quite cheesy. We've got a pretty impressive chip tear ratio of 60% on these guys. These guys are more uh, puffy. They're like little cheese bites.
0: Hmm. Oh. They're very cheesy. Oh. I like these. Yeah. I don't know if I could eat more than like four or five of them. They're pretty salty. I think they would go really well with a, uh, an adult beverage. A glass of um, Bordeaux, perhaps?
1: Or Perhaps. Perhaps. I, I wouldn't know what to pair them with. But certainly something. Yeah, that that's a stronger cheese. What kind of cheeses are in here? I uh, I don't know. Well, let's look it up. Let's take a look, Cibu. Semi-aged cheese. Semi-aged cheese. Huh. That really narrowed it down. It
0: did, didn't it? Yeah. It's definitely Parmesan-ish. Yeah, little. is that par- a word parmesanish yeah grana padano cheese with animal rennet yum that rennet is really coming through it is i'm getting yeah. quite a bit of rennet uh, yeah. th- these are yummy for like little snack uh little snacky bites yeah yeah i'm trying to get the crunching out i'm gonna keep eating go for it
1: uh thumbs up thumbs down Where are we going here today mm, two thumbs up you're going two thumbs up yeah very solid i'm giving it one thumb like it don't
0: love it I'm not gonna tell because I'm eating them all yeah,
1: yeah, yeah this yeah.
0: might be one of the first times that you don't get to eat all of them well fine I'm taking these out please do please do
1: righty, guys why. thank you for listening today uh, next week we are probably gonna do a uh, a guest I'm still eating we're not we're not sure whom the guest will be so we're not sure what topic we're gonna cover uh, we are gonna be reviewing the funny Frisch Kessel chips, sweet chili, and red pepper flavor. That sounds delicious. That sounds delicious. Compliments of Liz Schneider. Thank you, Liz. uh, If you like the show, tell a friend, follow, review, subscribe, all that other good stuff. If you need more information on us, check out reboundclinic.com. I would. Follow us throughout the week on Instagram and Twitter. That's it. He's Jimmer. I'm Christian. Thank you you so much for listening.